Welcome to Subway Sports Talk. Dan, 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 clear of the closing doors, please. Here we go, Subway Sports Talk. My name is Peter Kennedy, and I am your host. Thank you so much, as always, for tuning in to SST, Apple Podcasts app, Spotify. You're hearing me say these words, so you found us. Don't forget, though, while you're here, subscribe, rate, review, Apple Podcasts app. You can now uh, do a little rating on Spotify as well. Drop those five stars. We appreciate you very much for making us part of your week, part of your routine. Talk about sports. Think about all these wonderful things that we love so much, the NFL. The NBA and the surprising Subway Sports Talk uh, topic here. College football championship played on this past Monday night. Georgia Dogs take down the Crimson Tide. Exciting game. Big time win for Georgia. I have a note on that. Not really on the game because if you guys listen to Subway Sports Talk, you know college football isn't my expertise. Not that I'm an expert, you know, but you know what I'm saying. It's not my heavy focus throughout the season. So I don't like to talk about stuff that I don't have a depth of knowledge on or that I'm not focused in on all year long. So that's why I don't really touch on college football too much. But I watched the game, obviously. I'm an American guy, like sports. It was great, great fun. And I had one thought on college football and the NFL in general that I will share in a little bit. But I have some other stuff to get to first. So stay tuned for that thought. Also on this solo podcast, going to be talking about the New York Knicks and some thoughts on R.J. Barrett, among some others who we're ready to see more from. Thoughts on that in a minute, as well as Joe Judge, the Giants, Dave Gettleman, Brian Flores, and all that's going on in the NFL that doesn't have to do with Wild Card Weekend because we're going to do a full preview podcast on Wild Card Weekend with a special guest coming up on Friday. We're going to record that Thursday night, Friday release. Look forward to that. That's going to be heavy on the preview of Wild Card Weekend, the gambling aspect of Wild Card Weekend with a special guest. So again, stay tuned for that. But now I'll have some thoughts. Joe Judge, the Giants in general there. First, we have to talk about our friends from DraftKings. New Yorkers, welcome to the world of legal gambling. Very fun, huh? Be careful out there, though. I'm telling you. Anyways, DraftKings. The NFL playoffs are here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL, is kicking things off with a huge offer. Counting down to Super Bowl 56, new customers can get 56 to 1 odds on any wildcard team to win their game. That You know what that means? Do you know what 56 to 1 odds means? That means you bet $5 and you win $280 in free bets if the team you pick, Wildcard Weekend, comes out on top. And don't worry, if Sportsbook isn't available in your state yet, you still have something to play for this wildcard weekend. Everyone can play for huge cash prizes with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Contest. DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposit. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code TBPN and get 56 to 1 odds on any NFL team. Bet just $5 and win 280 in free bets if your team wins. That's promo code TBPN this wild card weekend at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, and Pennsylvania only. New customers only, minimum $5 deposit and $1 wager required. One per customer restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash Sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. 
I'm not good at math, y'all. 56 to 1 odds is sick. This is where I'm jealous that I'm not a new customer. I'm an old customer. That's lit. Five bucks to win 280. Whew, I'm out here. Well, I'm not, but you might be. TBPN, don't forget. All right, solo pod, just me here tonight. Got some stuff to talk to, some stuff to get off my chest. Because, boy, it is it is weird out here in New York. And I ain't talking about the sports books that you're now allowed to use if you're inside New York. Because that was weird enough for all you uh, new people who were not used to this this weekend. A lot of people went crazy. I tried to warn you, don't go crazy this weekend. We, we, we had no idea what the hell was going on with half of these games, right? We, we knew that some games mattered. We knew that some games didn't. Then there were some games in the middle that we thought mattered that maybe didn't matter once uh, another game was in the balance, right? Uh, or out, not in the balance, if you will. And then there were games where a team probably could have cared more and didn't, or a team had no reason to care, and they cared, right? And that's what we should have expected going into that last weekend there. Yet, there's still a lot of people out there who uh, made the mistake of getting a little bit too rambunctious in their first week with the sports book in New York. And I tried to warn you guys, it was a weird one. I'm proud to just have gone two and three in my picks here. I could have gone three and two. Technically, in some places, when you do a teaser and you push one leg, it's not a straight up loss. Sometimes you get just reduced odds. Uh, so if you get 20 bucks, maybe you'll win eight or nine bucks, right? But I pushed on the Chargers plus three, hit the over. I'm calling that one a loss. So it's two and three. That's bringing my final regular season record to 46, 43, and one, a record I'm very proud of. I know it doesn't sound like a ton, right? But two things here for me, why I'm proud. One, above 500, baby. I'm not quite in the total profit area because of the VIG that you have to pay. You know, most games are minus 110, minus 115. You, you know, you get the idea, right? So 46, 43, and one maybe wins you a few bucks, maybe makes you break even. But I'll tell you, if you can break even on an entire regular season, that's almost a win in and of itself based off the entertainment value you get. So I'm proud of that record above 500. Going to try to keep bringing that record up going into the playoffs. And then I'm also proud, and this is just a tap on the back for me and my boy Pat Boyle, every single week, man, every week we are out here with the picks. And I hope you guys appreciate it on social media. Uh, so if you don't follow the social media accounts at Subway Sports Talk on Instagram, at Subway Sports Talk TLK on Twitter, picks are out there every week. And I'm proud to have done that because it's not an easy feat to just be out here every single week, making sure they're ready, making sure you're doing your research. You're not just throwing random stuff against the wall, hoping that you hit some bets. Uh, you know, we put our best effort in. I know Pat Boyle didn't have the season he had hoped to have and the season that he had last year, because I'll tell you, man, my boy had a fantastic season one year ago, and this year didn't go his way. This thing is hard. It's hard to bet the NFL. If it was easy, everybody would be winners. But guess what? Everyone you talk to who tells you about their wins, who tells you about this, tells you about that, most people lose all the time when they gamble. So when you can go around 500, you can go above 500, you should be hella proud. And I'm proud of myself here, man. Shout out. And thank you guys so much for keeping along throughout the season. I know everybody who ever hit me up like, yo, I'm tailing the picks this week. It puts some pressure on me. It doesn't make me feel amazing. It makes me feel amazing in one way and then nervous in another because it's not just my 10 bucks, 20 bucks, 30 bucks, whatever I'm doing out here. It's now your money too. And they're like, come on, Pete, we need you here. I'm tailing all your picks. I'm like, that's fantastic. And on the inside, I'm like, oh my God, I hope I win. I hope I get these right. 
But that's why we do it, man. It's so fun. And again, thank you guys for tuning in all season long. Now stay tuned for more betting and picks and all that talk on the podcast and on social media. We got great stuff coming up. But where I'm going to start now with these three topics that I want to touch on, one being the Giants and their situation, kind of Brian Flores as well. The second being the Knicks and R.J. Barrett and some players that they got going right now. And third, this little tidbit I just thought of uh, with college football and the NFL. I'm going to start with the Knicks to keep it a little more topical. The Knicks just played. R.J. Barrett played fantastic. He had 31 points. They beat the Spurs, run away with it. Not something that we're too used to. Then we'll get to the football in a minute. But when it comes to the New York Knicks, a big thing here for Knicks fans has been trying to figure out what the problem is, right? Why is this team just teetering below 500, maybe getting up to 500, and then back down, and then right back to 500? And they can't get over a hump. They can't put a string of games together where they're consistently beating teams they're supposed to beat and occasionally knocking off teams they're not supposed to beat. That's what got them to the promised land last year, and that's the four seed. That was playoffs, and granted, the playoffs didn't go well, but Knicks fans were ecstatic with how the season went couple things to remember, first and foremost, and they said it on the broadcast tonight as the game ended. They have the same record right now through 41 games as they had last year through 41 games. They were 20 and 21, exactly. These teams across the NBA, obviously that including the New York Knicks, are not made overnight. They are not finalized a quarter of the way through the season. In fact, I was just saying last week on the pod with Pat Boyle, that every team or 95% of teams in the league go through a rut no matter what. Most teams will go through two ruts, three ruts, maybe a couple mini ruts. It's very rare that you get a team like the Warriors, and I'm not even talking about the record-breaking season, but when they've won or lost just 15 games or something like that, you don't really have a rut when that happens, right? Most teams lose 20 to 30 games, and there's stretches of that season where fans, media members, Players on the team, coaches are under fire, and they're confused. What's going on? That's what it's been like for the Knicks basically this entire season outside of the first two weeks or so, and we keep wondering why. What's different from last year? What's the problem? What are we missing? What's wrong with the additions that we made this offseason that's leading to a lack of successful turnover into this new season? And I think what I've come to as a conclusion, is that what we have been pointing at as problems is not really looking at the full picture. Because we're pointing to Kemba Walker being a big free agent signing and him not coming through and pulling this offense to a new level as a failure, as a reason we are not as successful as we were last year. We're looking at Evan Fournier. And besides when he plays the Celtics, he's been relatively disappointing. And saying, if Fournier was who we thought he was, when we signed him, that would help us be more successful like we were last year. Why are we not playing to the level we were playing last year? But that common denominator of saying these two new guys are not helping us get to the level that we were at last year dawned on me today that it's not the new guys' fault of why we're having a lackluster season to this point. It's actually the people who were here last year who were a part of that wonderful run for the Knicks to get well above 500 and make the playoffs as a four seed with home court advantage. 
It's the guys who were here. And that's something that I don't think we wanted to fully uh, uh, fully give credit to, something we wanted to believe. It's not something that we're still thinking of to this point. But you look at the statistics and you just see glaring differences across the board for every single key member of the New York Knicks. Now, obviously, that starts with Julius Randle. He was averaging 24 points per game last year on 18 shots. He's down to under 20 on 17 shots. His percentages were, are at, uh, currently at 42% from the field, 31% from three. He was 45 and 41 last year. That's an insane difference. R.J. Barrett, same exact scenario. Last year, 17 and a half points, 44% from the field, 40% from three. This year, 15 and a half points, 40% from the field, 33% from three. Those are your two guys, right? So you can come out here and say that Evan Fournier is not pulling his weight as the big offseason pickup that we expected him to be. I think that says more about who people thought Evan Fournier was and what they were expecting out of him not being true to his back of his basketball card and his impact on winning over the course of his career than actually what's been happening on the court for Evan Fournier this year. Because, it, listen, I was pro the signing. I thought the money wasn't as bad as it initially seemed when you heard the number. But I wasn't expecting Evan Fournier to come out here and lead this team in scoring and be a 20-point-per-game night guy. He always has been best suited to be a two-through-four scorer. And right now, with Randall and Barrett's numbers being where they are and their efficiency being poor, Knicks fans are looking at the new guy, Evan Fournier, to pick up the slack. And he's had his moments. He's had his nights. Obviously, the game against the Celtics a couple nights ago was stellar, electric. I wish I was in the garden for that one. It was amazing. But to expect Fournier to carry the offense was never something that was realistic. It was never something that was going to happen. And even more so on the Kemba Walker front. You can go check the receipts. Go to my TikTok at Subway Sports Talk. Go to my reels on Subway Sports Talk Instagram. I said the good, the bad, the ugly, the Kemba Walker signing. The good was a no-brainer. He was cheap. Veterans minimum, basically. You ain't paying this guy $40 million. You ain't paying this guy $20 million. You're paying him $8 million. $8 million for basically a flyer that everything he gives you is icing on the cake. If he can make your offense better, you don't even care about the defense. That was the good. The bad was, unfortunately, the defense has been really bad and the offense was slipping as of late. Not as much bounce and quickness, not as much ability to finish in and around the rim, and not as much facilitation as you so expect from a true point guard, if you will. That was the bad. The ugly was, this guy's injury prone. This guy can't guard a soul. And there's a chance that he doesn't make this team better at all, right? So if you had those expectations going in, which were more likely the proper expectation to have for Fournier and Walker, I don't think it's fair to now say that these new signings are the reasons why this team is struggling. When you look at the team and who the leaders are supposed to be, it's Randall and it's Barrett. And then it was Derrick Rose and kind of Alec Burks. Alec Burks is the only guy who has a pretty similar stat line to what he was last year. And he's just about 12 points per game. He's not a starting point guard. He is best suited off the bench. Derrick Rose being hurt obviously makes a difference. But even with him, they were a 500 team at best, right? So I think 
all this time, we're looking at the New York Knicks and we're saying, what's the problem? Where's the answer? The answer's right in the mirror. It's RJ Barrett and it's Julius Randle getting back to where they were a year ago and leading this team on a night-in, night-out basis, being more efficient, facilitating more. Not just making themselves better, but making their teammates better. I think the most underrated portion of the season last year for Julius Randle was his assist numbers. What he was able to do nightly, getting six assists per game. He was making everyone around him better while shooting a career high from all over the field and scoring 25 a night. Right now, you have the inefficiency on the shooting front for R.J. Barrett, but he's also dropped an entire assist per game. For Julius Randle, I'm sorry. For R.J. Barrett, there's some splits here that are interesting, and it makes a whole lot of sense. In wins this year, R.J. Barrett is averaging 17, 6, and just under 3 assists. In losses, 14.5, 5, and 2 assists. The counting stats are evident. But is it just simply him scoring 20 points and they win more often than not? Not really. They're 4-3 and three or 5-3 and three, uh, when R.J. Barrett scores 20 points or more. It's not that big of a difference. But here's the big kicker. Because it's not just about counting stats. It's not just about getting 20 or 25 per night for Julius Randle. It's not just about the numbers of what you're putting in the box score. It's how you're getting them. In wins, R.J. Barrett is shooting 43% from the field, 40% from three. And in losses, 37% from the field, 27% from three. That's the difference. It doesn't even matter that it's 17 points versus 15 points. It matters how those 17 points were made. Because he can have a game where they score 20, where he scores 24, and he does it on 20 shots, and it's ugly, and it's not helping the Knicks win. All this time, we're looking for answers. The answers are in front of us. If we want to get back to the team that we all fell in love with last year, it starts with those two guys up front. Randall, Barrett. They have to be better. They have to be more efficient, and they have to make their teammates better. They have a supporting cast that's interesting, and they're finding their roles. Grimes, people really like. Knicks fans are falling in love. I like him a lot. I think McBride can find a role off this bench. Emmanuel quickly, I didn't mention him, but his numbers are down from last year, averaging about the same amount of points on worse shooting percentages. Those guys need Randall. They need Barrett to lift them up. And until those two guys, the two lefties, become the facilitators that we see from time to time, I'm not sure this Knicks team's going to throw, uh, turn it around. We all want to look for outside answers. We all want to blame the guys who just came in. But first, we need to look at the guys right up front. The franchise cornerstones, Randall, Barrett, have to be better, have to be more efficient, and then this Knicks team will be on the right side of 500. Subway Sports Talk, let's move on to some football. Not going to get any nicer, though. (laughs) Not going to be a nicer topic of conversation. It's going to be tougher, actually. It might be uglier because, you know, all in all, the New York Knicks, with some struggles and not quite reaching expectations, they're a game under. They've won four straight at home. There's reasons to believe this season can look up, and they start taking care of business against the teams they're favorited against, the teams they're supposed to beat, right? That's good. That's the silver lining of the Knicks' woes. If I looked all day for silver linings with this New York Giants organization, other than having picks five and seven in this upcoming draft, And Dave Gettleman retiring, I ain't got nothing. 
Do you? Because I'm looking right now at Joe Judge. The word on the street is he very well may be back as the head coach of the New York Giants. With all likelihood, that means Daniel Jones will be back as the starting quarterback of the New York Giants. And what does that say to me? What does that say to you? Right? Because I don't think all fans are super smart and super well-versed in how a franchise works in the NFL, but almost all fans know this, that Joe Judge lost that team this year and that all the talk that Joe Judge has done over the course of the past two seasons has not turned a result on the field. And this one's a little more split. Daniel Jones, he can make some some wonderful plays, some fantastic throws, some great runs from time to time. But that's the key word. From time to time, he does something nice. Everything in between is not putting points on the board. Even a lot of the times, the good plays don't lead to points on the board. So what does this say? What is happening here with the New York Giants? They're kicking the tire down the road. And that's not a saying that you want. It's not a saying that you want to live by as a franchise in the NFL. And if you want to talk about the 5th and 7th pick as the silver lining, that would mean a rebuild. That would mean a refresh. And if you're going to tell me that you have faith in Joe Judge to be the coach of that rebuild, that refresh, you think he's going to make it through the rebuild? I got news for you. That is not how the NFL works. Turnover in the NFL is insane. It happens more than we expect, even though we expect it to happen all the time, right? People were talking about Matt Nagy getting fired since week one of the season. Mike Zimmer getting fired since week four. They're gone. Nobody talking about Brian Flores getting fired. He's still gone. That's how this goes. That is how the NFL works consistently. And I made a prediction on this very podcast. I don't even know exactly when it was. Maybe 10 weeks ago. 10 weeks ago, and I said, my worst nightmare for the New York Giants is to have this season where they can't take anything concrete out, and they can't say, this is definitely good, or this is definitely bad, because they're going to end up keeping Joe Judge, keeping Daniel Jones, and in one year from now, then, then they'll fire Joe Judge. Then they'll decide they need a new quarterback. And by that point, we're another year behind, another year of terrible football winning four games, not being competitive at all, not being able to put points on the board. Because you know what? There's two different types of bad in the NFL. There's the type of bad that is the Giants that loses by scoring 13 points every week at best. And then there's the type of bad that competes. A team that has a fighting chance to at least freaking cover the spread sometimes throughout the season, right? Not that the Giants had a terrible ATS record, but you get the point. There's teams that can put points on the board, who have players who have breakout games, who have players who make highlight plays weekly, who put up numbers, right? The Giants didn't even have an Amon Ra St. Brown. And I mean, Amon Ra had a great season for a rookie wide receiver. So maybe he's the wrong type of guy to relate to. But listen, if you look at this Giants season, What's the positive on offense? I'll wait. Andrew Thomas being a little better, did it matter? No, because he was hurt. And the offense still couldn't do anything. Can't point to Daniel Jones. You can point to Saquon being healthy for a year, but you can't point to anything else. He might not be on the team after this offseason. And I wouldn't blame him. If I was Saquon Barkley, I'd get the hell up on out of here. I'm out. 
I don't need to be part of this organization. I got X amount of years left, and I ain't spending it in a rebuild with Joe Judge and Daniel Jones. If I was Saquon, see ya. I'm out. I'll take a pay cut somewhere else to play real football. Because the Giants didn't play real football since about week four of this season. That's being generous, right? You can argue they didn't play real football all season. I warned you 10 weeks ago. I'm warning you again. Joe Judge back. Daniel Jones back. Another bad season coming up just for them to get let go a year from now. So whoever this new GM is going to be, because Dave Gettleman retired, nice little PR play by the Giants that said probably, hey, Dave, you know, you want to go? I think you should go. All right? How about you say it yourself so we don't have to, you know, be a bad guy, right? Uh, Okay, you're going to retire. Thanks, Dave. We, We appreciate your time. You did a great job, right? That's what it was like with the Giants. I saw Nora Princiati. She's with The Ringer. She does podcasting and writing for them. She's very, very good. She wrote, Brian Flores got fired, and Joe Judge still has a job. Someone explained this to me like I'm five. That was her tweet. You know, it's a good trend online. And I thought to myself when I saw that, I was like, oh, well, Joe Judge, say it like Joe Judge and Brian Flores are five-year-olds, right? They're little, they're little children. They're babies, and they're running around a playground. And they're doing the same thing. Well, Brian Flores' parents, <laughs> the Dolphins organization, who's not, you know, some great parent, I will say. But they said, hey, Brian Flores, bad job. Bad. No. Smacked his hand, said, you can't touch that. You got to go. You're out of the park. Right? And the Maras, running the Giants organization, say, oh, it's okay, Joey. Keep trying your best. It's okay that you kick dirt on people around you and, you know, you spit on yourself and you're kind of a mess of a kid. But it's okay, Joey. Just keep trying your best. That's the difference. It's just saying, okay, Joe Judge, you haven't done anything in two years. You talk all this talk about being disciplined and being this and being that, and you threw shade at Ron Rivera, who's a very well-respected coach in this league. But that's okay, Joe. You're going to keep your job, all right? You just, are you happy? Are you okay? Okay, good. Maybe, maybe next year will be better. Maybe next time you come out here, you won't be so bad. That's the vibe. That's, that's what I thought when I said, when I saw, explain this to me like I'm five. I thought of the two coaches as five-year-olds and one parent saying, this isn't cutting it, you're out. And the other parent saying, it's okay. Don't worry about it. You, are you having a bad day? Maybe, maybe tomorrow will be better instead of correcting wrongs. And they hardly corrected a wrong on Dave Gettleman because they allowed him to retire when perhaps he could have been fired last year, could have been fired at some point in the middle of this year. But hey, PR is PR. You let the guy get off easy, retire into the sunset if there's a sunset for Dave Kettleman. Brian Flores. Kevin Clark, another ringer guy. Brian Flores uh, got fired from the Dolphins. And Kevin Clark, who put another tweet out there that I thought was so eloquently stated. He said, if the coach you fire instantly becomes the top candidate on the market, that's likely a sign that you should not have let him go. That makes a lot of sense to me. Because as soon as Brian Flores got fired, there were two instant, instant reactions from 90% of people who are fans, who are media members, who are analysts, who are other players and coaches around the league. And said they said, one, oh God, he's available. Let's talk to him. And two, they said, hold on, what? Wait a minute. He got fired after he just won eight out of nine with a quarterback who's probably not that good and was hurt for a bunch of it? That's, that's the guy who got fired? The guy who went almost to the playoffs last year with a half a rookie quarterback and Ryan Fitzpatrick? 
and a defense that's been playing damn good for most of the season. He got he got let go. Let's call him up. Let's see what he can do. <laughs> that's what happened instantly across the board, right? And that doesn't mean that Brian Flores is perfect. It doesn't mean that he's a guaranteed hit at his next job. But ask yourself this. If Joe Judge was fired right now, would he be a head coach in the NFL next year? Absolutely not. No chance in France. There are another franchises out here saying, oh, Joe Judge is available? We're going to make him our head coach. That's going to go great. That's a reason to believe. That's a reason to give hope to our franchise. That would not happen. But right now, all these teams with no head coach are saying, we got to get Brian Flores in here ASAP. We're talking to him right now. Because guess what? Maybe it didn't go perfect for him in Miami. Maybe there were some issues. Maybe it's curious that the team was off to such a bad start this year. But there's a lot of reason to believe that his players actually play hard for him throughout a whole entire season and that he can win football games and he can coach defense. Joe Judge has not proved any of that. Brian Flores has proved a lot of that. And depending on where he goes, he can have a whole realm of outcomes, right? If he goes to Chicago and Justin Fields isn't it, is it going to be all Brian Flores' uh, fault? Probably not but it might not work out. Maybe he'll be able to get the most out of the Bears and they become a defensive juggernaut again and Justin Fields is really good and Brian Flores is that dude, right? If he goes to Minnesota, are they going to continue to be average? Are they going to continue to be an 8-8 team or an 8-9 team, whatever you want to call it, in the new season? Maybe. Is he going to take them to 10-11 wins per per season? Either either way can happen. I'm not sure that Brian Flores is going to be the uh, teetering point for many franchises But I'll tell you what, when it comes to confidence and it comes to hope in this NFL, that guy's bringing a whole lot more to the table than a lot of other candidates out there. And Joe Judge, if he was on the open market, he'd be doing great as a special teams coordinator next year. That's where he's at. That's where the Giants are at. So if the Giants do choose to keep Joe Judge around, it's going to be another year of bad football. It's going to be another year of misery. So all you can hope for at that point is that whoever comes in as the new GM makes some great picks this year, hits on at least five or seven, hopefully both, obviously, right? And then you figure out what the hell you're going to do at quarterback because if this isn't the draft for it, which it very well may not be, it may not be, you need to figure out what the hell you're doing. Are you going for a stopgap? Are you looking for the Jimmy G of the world? Are you going to ride Daniel Jones? Are you going to see if you actually have something there? Because it doesn't feel like it. But all the trust goes into that new GM. And all my bets, all my money, all my guesses say Judge is gone next year if he's not gone this year. And Daniel Jones is not the starting quarterback after next year. And we start this whole thing all over again. Kicking the tire down the road. The New York Giants, baby. Losing games, losing press conferences, losing everything consistently. (laughs) Your New York Giants. That's what it is. Oh, man, that's a sad one. That one hurts, man. I'll tell you. I'll tell you. I told you it wasn't going to be fun. The Knicks won at least, like, there's a silver lining, right? It's like a challenge. We're talking about the negatives of the Knicks season, and we say there's all these questions out there, why they're not what they were last year, and how can they get better, and who can they trade for, and who can they pick up on a a buyout uh, market or whatever. And I think the answer is in-house. RJ and uh, Julius have to be better. If those two guys are better, 
Everyone else will be better. And this team will win more games. I think it's kind of simple, right? So with the negativity, there's a silver lining in hope that two guys who we have faith in, who we look at as cornerstones kind of of this franchise, can get better over the course of the season and help flip the script for the Knicks. For the Giants, the hope is that they actually fire the coach. That's the hope. That's the only silver lining. Because, you know, again, there's not a lot of quarterbacks people are hyped up about right now in this draft. So the Daniel Jones side of things, I don't think you're going to get rid of him this offseason. Obviously, it's one more year of the rookie contract. That'd be silly. He will be the starting quarterback unless there's some sort of big-time trade that goes on here. But the coach, no silver lining unless he's gone. Because if not, I'll talk to you in one year from now when the Giants are still not in the playoffs and they add four wins and they're picking number five overall again next year. And we can do this all over again. And Brian Flores won't be on the market to try to come snatch him up. (laughs) Because I think Giants fans will be thrilled to have him. I really do. I think most fans will be thrilled to have him. Beef low from Brooklyn, baby. Shout out to my boy, Rockdell. All right. Subway Sports Talk. Pete Kennedy, thank you all for listening. As always, last topic here. This ain't a long one. This is a solo pod. It is 12.53 a.m. on Tuesday morning. But you know how I do it. I'm out here late for y'all. That's what I do. I just had this thought tonight watching Stenson Bennett play and Bryce Young play quarterback for Georgia and Alabama. It was a great game. You know, Georgia really, they proved it. And another, actually, before I get to my main point here, I have one more thing to talk about. It was really interesting to me. And again, not being a big-time college football follower, right? Like, I very much just keep a finger on it at most throughout the season. So into the NBA and NFL that I just don't have time to, like, lock into college football. So I'll watch. Some Saturdays. I'll watch with friends. I'll talk to friends. I'll hear uh, podcasts talking about it, whatever. That's about it, though, right? I'm not locked in. So I'm coming into this game without a great depth of knowledge. And, you know, I'm thinking about maybe throwing a little shekel on it, see what we got for some picks maybe. And then I'm like, you know what? I don't have a good feel for it. Let me just feel it out, see what people think. I'll throw something small just for fun, you know, 10 bucks, whatever it may be. And I was I was trying to crowdsource, trying to see what people liked for this game. And it was so funny. I talked to, like, Five or six different people today. And everybody had a different answer. Everybody said something completely different. It was almost funny how it happened too. It wasn't like three people said one thing, then three people said another. It was like, nope, one person says this, other person says opposite, next person opposite, 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 opposite. And I was like, damn, I ain't got nothing. Because what I like to do is I like to hear a lot of people say, man, Alabama, man, roll tide all day. If you don't bet Alabama, you're wrong. You're silly. You're dumb. I'm like, okay, good. I'm betting Georgia, right? That's that's how I'll go with something like that without my own personal knowledge of the teams and only seeing them play a couple times this year. But I heard people say, oh, everyone's betting on Bama. You got to bet Georgia. Oh, everyone's taking Georgia. Got to bet Bama. Dude, Georgia's not going to lose two in a row to the same team, right? They're usually going to split that. You got to take Georgia. Oh, Nick Saban doesn't lose. He's going to win. Got to take Bama. And it was just this never-ending loop of opposing takes. And finally, I was like, you know what, man? I ain't even betting this. I ain't even throwing anything on it. No action for me. I'm not going to hit an over. I'm not even going to do a same-game parlay. I'm not going to, I'm not doing nothing. I'm just going to watch the game and enjoy it. And I did enjoy it. It was a very good game. And, uh, yeah, I was going to take Georgia just because of the split thing. Like, oh, they just played Alabama one. It's hard to beat a team twice. And I didn't even do it. So maybe that was the right thought. Maybe that was just lucky. Who the hell knows? But it turns out, Ain't nobody know nothing. That's what that was my big conclusion uh, when it comes to gambling on a game like the national championship 
like the Super Bowl where you have this weird amount of time, like all this extra time than normal for people to talk about one specific game. And I think people just talk in loops at that point. And it's like, oh, well, this team has to win because X, Y, Z. Oh, this team has to lose because X, Y, Z. No, that team has to win for X, Y, Z. And then you just don't know it's going to go on. So my advice is just kind of bet on the team that you want to root for a little bit and don't go crazy. Don't kill your bank account unless you have some crazy conviction on something because usually it's just not worth it. It's not worth it. We don't know with these big games. For all you people out there who said, oh, Alabama or die, Nick Saban don't lose this stuff, you were wrong, <laughs> right? <laughs> so it's, that's where we're at. Um, but to segue that, talking about national championships and Super Bowls, had me thinking about the past national championships and the Super Bowl winners and history of quarterbacks, really, right? And I thought to myself, you know what's funny? A lot of times the quarterbacks in this championship game and the winners specifically of this national championship game don't really do much, right? For all these Alabama championships that they've had, they haven't really had much quarterback success in the NFL. Now with Mac Jones and perhaps Tua, there's a turning of the tide, roll tide, uh, in that regard, maybe. Trevor Lawrence, Clemson, obviously a national championship winner. He's young and in the league. We're not going to write him off, obviously. So there's chances for this idea that I'm having to get on freezing cold takes like next year, right? Or in two years from now or three years from now. But did you know, because I didn't, I had to look this up, that there were only six quarterbacks in NFL and NCAA football history to have won a national championship and a Super Bowl. And let me also go one step further that half of those people, or I'm sorry, two of those six people were not starters on both ends. Bernie Kosar won a national championship in college and was the backup for Troy Aikman when winning the Super Bowl in the NFL. Does he count in that regard? No, I don't think he does. Tom Brady, he was on a Michigan team that won their last national championship, but he was not the starter. Obviously, he had a pretty good NFL career. So does that really count? I don't think so. On the other side, we have Joe Montana, who won it for Notre Dame, and you know you know what he did in the NFL. You got Jeff Rutledge, who won for Alabama, and then two titles in the NFL Super Bowl. Kenny Stabler, Alabama, and Oakland Raiders. Joe Namath, Alabama, and the Jets. That's it. That's the whole list, right? And obviously, you got guys like Cam Newton, who won a national championship, played in the Super Bowl. You know, you got guys who were really good in college, maybe they won a Super Bowl. But it's, it's really interesting to hear how we talk about draft prospects every single year. Oh, this guy's got it. This guy's a winner. This guy won in college. This guy's a national champion. He's going to do it again in the NFL. And it almost never happens. Isn't it shocking that in the past 20 years, in this, de- in this, I'm sorry, in this millennia, since 2000, we don't have a guy who won a national champion and a Super Bowl. We don't have one. It's kind of insane to me. I'm sorry, I said before 1985 for Michigan's championship. Tom Brady was not, he's old, but <laughs> he was not in, co- in college in 1985. 1997 is what I meant for Tom Brady. But isn't it nuts to you that there hasn't been a national championship championship 
quarterback and Super Bowl quarterback in this last 21 years. Think about the best quarterbacks we have in the league right now. Almost afterthoughts in college when it comes to truly competing for the highest standard. Aaron Rodgers, you know, Cal wasn't a national championship contender. Patrick Mahomes, that team was not even really a playoff contender at all, right? Tom Brady's a unique case, but Matt Stafford was at Georgia. He hasn't come close to a Super Bowl. He was insane in college. He didn't win a national championship in college, but he was close, and he hasn't come close to a Super Bowl in the NFL, right? Like, this is, it's really nuts how this breaks down. And I'm curious now if the uh, if college football is catching up to NFL where it's so quarterback-driven that these programs like Alabama and Clemson and Georgia, even though Stenson Bennett does not seem like that guy, if they get better quarterback prospects and they start utilizing them as the focal point of their offense and that leads to some NFL success. It's possible to happen, but we talk about winner, winner mentality. Tough. This guy's a winner. He doesn't lose. He hates losing more than he loves winning. He's a champion. He's going to do it in the NFL. Doesn't work out. Doesn't. Doesn't work out at all. Almost never have a, a national championship quarterback won a Super Bowl. So I don't know what that means. It's just something that I thought about today watching the game. And I wanted to share with you guys. There's probably some other guys who are backups here and backups there. Whatever. But the six main names. Joe Namath. Kenny Stabler, Jeff Rutledge, Joe Montana, Bernie Kosar, Tom Brady. That's it. Those are the only guys. And Tom Brady was a backup winning the national championship in college. Bernie Kosar was a backup winning the national championship in Dallas. I'm sorry, winning the Super Bowl in Dallas. And those other guys, that was a long time ago, man. So in recent history, in a little more than recent history, haven't found that type of success. College to the Super Bowl. Very interesting. That's all I got, though, for today. Subway Sports Talk, y'all. Be back again. Special guest coming up. We're going to interview and chat with our guy on Thursday. Gambling expert. Live from Las Vegas. We'll talk to him. Post that thing on Friday morning. So stay tuned for that. Pat Boyle will be in attendance as well. But another fun solo podcast, man. Something special about the solo pods. Hopefully you enjoy them as much as I do. Because I know I have a blast every time I come out here and talk to you guys for 30, 40, 50 minutes, an hour, whatever it may be. I love it either way. So thank you for tuning in, as always. The Subway Sports Talk. My name is Peter Kennedy. Cheers, y'all. Thank you for listening. Have a great day.